This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. All right, folks, here we are. We're back once again, ready to rock your socks off. That's right. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my awesome friend. He's going to be on assignment with me this week, Mr. Chris Sinzak. How you doing, my friend? Doing good. It's going to be an interesting one. It should be interesting. You know, I didn't tell you this, but last weekend I did a big wrestling show here in Nashville, and I completely mm-hmm. blew out my voice. Now, we've already technically been recording for about an hour, so I'm starting to feel it kind of tense up a little bit, but I think I'm going to be all right. I woke up the next morning, I was like, hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> well, you're in luck because I have an Aaron Camaro backing track that I can play when we edit the show. Oh, good. Did you borrow that from Cobras and Fire? Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, we had a super good time the last time we did on assignment. It was an experiment that went very, very well. And so we thought, you know what? Let's do it again. So today we've got another friend coming on the show with us. He's going to assign us an album. We've been listening to it, and we're going to grade it. We're on assignment. So we're going to tell you all about that in just a minute, so hang tight. Because you know us, we got business to take care of, and we're going to take care of it right now. We've got, what, one, two, three reviews? Are you sure we should do them all? We're going to blow our shot again and not have any for the next couple of weeks? Well, too late. We're going to do it. So the first one here is an Apple podcast review. It's entitled, Don Dawkins Wig. <laughs> I don't even care. It's got all five stars. And it goes a little something like this. A one-stop shop for all your hard rock and heavy metal needs may contain traces of Juice Newton. (laughs) The joke that will never die. I love it. One episode, what, 10 years ago? Come on, people. Yep. That comes to us from Cusano versus Klein. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Via Apple Podcast <laughs> Reviews. Love it. <laughs> well, Don Dockin does have a five-star wig. I'll give him Give him that. that. Give him something. <laughs> All right. So we also got a couple of Podchaser reviews. Short, sweet, to the point. All the pink stars. We love them. This one comes to us from Lord71. Another great episode. Thanks, guys. Been listening to you guys from since the very first episode. You missed my review last time for episode 472. Cheers from Finland. Nice. Oh, hey, look here. (laughs) It's another one from Lord71. This is the one we missed. This is the one we missed. (laughs) Great, great episode. Always fun to listen to. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Lord71. From Finland. That's very awesome, man. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. So I, I have an apology to make to Lord 71 because I I, I didn't, re- you know, it's funny. We brag about Podchaser being like, well, you can review particular episodes. Right. And I got, we always say that. And then I don't go and look and see who reviewed a particular episode. That's how I missed these. And uh, he messaged us on Facebook. And I that's what I, how I found these. So the first review was from the Slash's Snake Pit Albums Unleashed. And the second one was from the Ask Us Anything episode. Nice. 
That's very cool, yeah. man. I love the fact that we can reach rock and rollers all over the entire planet with this show we do. And that's important to us. You know, you guys are important to us. The people that support what we do, whether it be being a geek of the week or leaving us reviews, it's so important, you know, and we talk about that on New Noise. That's why you're getting weekly New Noise episodes now because you guys mean a lot to us. You supported us. All you've ever asked from us is a little bit more. And so that's what we're starting to do. We're giving you new noise every single week now to go along with the actual episodes. And so, you know what? You guys deserve it. Thank you for the reviews and the recommendations. If you guys want to help us out and you haven't done it yet, hit them up right now. Apple Podcast Reviews. You can leave us one there. Facebook recommendations. We like them a lot. You're going to find new podcasts that you like when you check out Podchaser. Speaking of that, we are a part of Pantheon Podcast. It's a proud thing. It means a lot to us to be a part of it because Pantheon's a company that went out and gathered up all the best music podcasts from all over the world, put them all under one umbrella and said, hey, here you go. These are the best. We're going to save you time. If you're looking for a new podcast, whether it's about rock or any other type of music you might like, you're going to find it at Pantheon. So go to Pantheon.com, peruse their roster. You know they're the best. We're there, right? That's, I think that's how it works. We're amongst the best. We're a part of the Pantheon. So if you want to find other quality podcasts, just like the Decibel Geek podcast, it's the only place to start. Yes, sir. So you want to tell people about the big sale you got going on? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're hearing this before Memorial Day, um, I have a 50% off uh, offer for the Rockin' Pod Retreat going on July 23rd in Nashville. So basically, fifty bucks gets you in, and uh, you'll get to go to the sessions in the morning. You'll get to go to the Musicians Hall of Fame tour, guided tour, and then uh, come to the concert with Power Slave and Rock United that night. So uh, go to rockandpod.com, get all the details on who's going to be speaking, and we're going to be announcing some new speakers in the next couple of days, and some some people I'm pretty excited about. So yeah, that that's going on rockandpod.com. Right on, and most importantly, you can come to Nashville and hang out with us. It's going to be an yes. awesome time. Plus, you get all that extra stuff. And Chris is giving you a great deal right now. Why wouldn't you want to come? Rockinpod.com, man. Get on it. Geeks of the Week, man. Couldn't do it without them. These are the people that take last week's episode and they get out in the Twitterverse and the Facebook world and they share it and they retweet it. They help us get the word out. Man, we got a big list this week, man. Everybody loves when we show the world even though Headbanger's ball is gone, even though you can't go to your grocery store and buy a hit parader, even though you can't turn on your radio and hear great music anymore that you haven't heard a million times already, you've got us. When it comes to the Radio Sucks radio show, we always do our best not to let you down by searching out the best music that you might not be hearing, and it's always nice to know that that's appreciated. Yeah, so the Geeks of the Week this week are uh, combined of the Radio Sucks radio show, and we started doing New Noise Weekly to cover rock news, so this is Geeks of the Week for both of those episodes. That's why I've got a hell of a list here. Some of these probably twice, huh? Yeah, well, I I condensed it down as much as I could. All right, Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rock and Ron Runyon, Pantheon Podcast, Brent Tibbetts, Shameless, Kenny Knight, Shane Aber, Steve Libby, David Glenn, Mark Alden Taylor, Mark and Jerry, BS Sessions, Freeform Rock Podcast, Bill Elam, Matt Porter, Big Bushy Power Hour, Sit and Spin with Joe. 
<laughs> Tom Gregory, Mike Parnell, the Loose Cannon, Bakery Podcast, Aaron Baker, Chad Grant, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Lost Circus, Kevin Williams, Ray Coon, Matt Ashcraft, John Phillips, Shay Hargett, Jason Worden, Simon Cat, Kristen Schimbeck, David Cathy, Will Honeycutt, Joseph Capone, Scott Crouch, Hawk on Bergstad, Doug Fox, Tom Smoke Belmondo, James McElhenney, Ernesto Aguiar, Eladio, Jay Shablewski, Jeff Taylor, In Obscuria Podcast, Steve Monmouth Wood Design, Torpedo Head, Mikhail Burrell, Gregory Muse, Kevin's on Fire, Keith Rockford, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. That's right. Those are our people. The ones we love so much because they take the time to let their friends know what we've got going on here at the Decibel Geek Podcast. That is a whole lot of rocking and a whole lot of talking about rock and roll. That's what we love to do. You guys love it when we do it. It all works out pretty good. So today, I'm ready to get into it. We did this before. It was pretty cool. We wanted to try it again because we never know what album we're going to get when it comes to on assignment. So why don't we go ahead and bring in our guest and talk all about it. Yeah, welcoming to the show Dennis Talbot from the Ages of Rock podcast. I think this is the first solo appearance you've made on the podcast, so uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think this is the first time we've been on there, all th- maybe two of us or three of us, I can't remember, it's been so long ago. But uh, no, you contacted me the other day about this. And so I'm sorry, but I'm probably going to wreck yourself. <laughs> it was the funniest thing because whenever you, you said that, the first, because I, I think I typed to you, well, let me think about this. This is tough. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> and then whenever I brought up the album, I, I, I texted and I talked to Bill and Alan, the other co-hosts of the Asia Rock podcast. And I said, uh, I said I'm going to be on uh on Chris and Aaron's show, I said, "Guess I got to pick a record. Go, which one?" <laughs> Alan knew what it was right off the bat. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so I'm gonna. So I brought up the New England, uh, the debut album, it's, the it's self-titled, self-titled album from 1979. 1979, yes. Wow. So, you know, interesting choice, and I gotta wonder if this does this album like hold a special place in your heart from childhood, or, or like what's your history with this record? I I see. I'm guessing. I was thinking about it the other day when I first when we first started talking about this. I know I bought it at Sears at Evansville. I I was on a trip getting my my braces adjusted, and I believe I saw the uh, "Don't Ever Want to Lose You" video on Don Kirshner rock concert, probably the week before or something like that, and just absolutely the. You know, we, we, you know, we, me and my buddy, we, you know, we, we'd always, he'd stay at my house or I'd stay at his house and we'd watch it every weekend, you know. And I remember just the video, I, the song was catchy. I liked the guitar work in it. I liked the keyboards in it, synthesizers. And I'm like, I just I fell in love with it. And I brought it home. And it's one of those ones that either, it's a, it's a love-hate album. I'm, most of my friends didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, but I listened to this album just over and over. I, I just thought it was a great album. You know, like I said, there were some other, they made a couple other videos. And then, you know, and I bought it before I knew that there was any, you know, there's about three uh, Kiss mm-hmm. kind of th- that works with this, you know, with the, you know, Bill Coin. I didn't realize that he was their manager. Did not know that Paul Stanley, you know, produced and helped them actually sang background on that song. And then, of course, then afterwards, uh, when the band kind of fell apart, they actually, uh, when I think it was, who was it? Uh, John Fannin left. Then they got together with Vinny and started a band called Warrior. And then Vinny, right before Vinny went to Kiss. So it was kind of a project that never really got going. So there's three things, you know, that's kind of, 
tacked on to Kiss, which you know I was a huge Kiss fan, but didn't know at the time when I first found you know fell in love with these guys. But this record is basically a one hit. <laughs> I mean, it's sick. You know that they had a couple more albums, but they never really went off the ground, and they just kind of disappeared. But, yeah. Well, yeah. to me, I mean, I I didn't know about this record until uh, I was uh, we had Hirsch Gardner lined up for you know I had Hirsch lined up for one of the Vinnie Vincent specials very early in the show. I think it was before Aaron even came on board uh, that I interviewed yep. Hirsch. And right. I, so I wanted to do my research, and I was like, oh, so this band New England. And that's when I found out about the Kiss Connection and everything. And, um, you know, he told some good stories about that. And uh, But, like, you know, I think Aaron and I both got into the, got, you know, were aware of them way later than their heyday. So yeah. it's it's interesting to get your perspective as somebody who knew it when it was brand new. Um, which is going to probably color our opinions of things on this, but uh, I, I'm not. I will say I, you know, I n- haven't really done a deep dive into this record until this past week, so it's uh, it's been interesting to go through it, and it has grown on me over the time um, that I've been listening to it. But uh, it was it, it's pretty much a brand new record to me for the most part, other than a couple. I mean, "Don't Ever Want to Lose You" was kind of the one hit off the record, but. We'll get into a track by track discussion on this, but obviously, I mean, the pedigree of the band is pretty damn strong. I mean, you obviously you've got the the Paul Stanley connection, and then also the the Vinny connection, but also you know Jimmy and Gary go on to to play with Alcatraz, you know. So right there's uh there's some great you know musical history here, and then you know Hirsch is a great guy. He was one of the favorite interviews I've ever done, but. Uh, and an amazing drummer, which we'll get into with the uh, record review. But I don't know, Aaron. When did New England come on your radar? I was in a record store probably maybe three or four years ago, and was just kind of perusing through stuff and found the New England CD. And I was like, "Oh yeah, there's a Kiss connection here somehow." And so I thought, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna get it." The thing that scared me was when I got the CD up to the counter. There was a woman working there, and she was like. Oh, New England. And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> what is this going to be? <laughs> well, what's kind of cool is that the CD I got is a 1998 reissue that came out on Renaissance Records, which oh. is right up the road here in Franklin, Tennessee, which is pretty interesting. So then I took it home. I think I listened to it a couple of times, went, eh, you know, just like a lot of albums, you know, you got so many of them. It's just kind of you listen to it and either it drives you wild or you just move on, you know, and that was one kind of like the last time we did on assignment mm-hmm. with uh, Marvelous 3. Brought it home, maybe listened to it a couple of times, ended mm-hmm. up in the collection, you know, and never to be listened to again. So when Chris told me this is the one we were doing, I was like, you know what? I think I got that on CD. So then I went to the boxes and found the ends and dug in there and I was like, sure shit, I got this. So I've been jamming on it all week. And it's really the first time I really, 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 truly gave it a chance, I think. So I appreciate that. You gave me an excuse to pull this album out and really give it a good listen. That's cool. That is cool. I, I like the fact that it is, it is new for you guys in a way, you know, so it's not something that kind of like with me, you know, I've known this album for years. Yeah. And, um, and it was one of those things where, you know, I played it a lot as a kid and then it kind of, like you said, it got lost in the in the rounds i never got i never had a cd of it i had a record you know so and i was showing chris this earlier i have five copies of this album <laughs> what yes, 
five. I was gonna, so, yeah, I was gonna <laughs> brag about me having a promo copy of this, and then Dennis pulls out five copies of the damn thing. And 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 the funny, I'll just tell you the quick story behind that. I was the first time that I met Rich Kosak from Mr. Speed was in Nashville. I didn't even know who he was at that point. Alan had been talking to him. And but he, he had this album and he was carrying this album, you know, around he was going through the bins and he, he was gonna buy it. And I'm like, New England. I said, I love that album. I said, I've got a I've got a couple of copies of that same one at home. He goes, he goes, dude, he goes, I got like twenty of them. What? He says <laughs> he goes, he goes, I'm just like a I find these like dogs and I risk him. It says every time I see one, they're usually two bucks. And he goes, I can't let them sit there. I gotta take it home. Wow. And then I got to talk and I got to be the same way once I started getting back into albums again. I find these things for two bucks, a dollar, two and I'm like, so I'm trying to I've been trying to Frankenstein me the best copy that I can with the best cover and the best insert. <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things where if it's a decent shape album, you don't want two bucks. What the heck? I'm just gonna pick it up. Right. And then like I said, I went to uh the KISS convention in the last one in Indianapolis. And Rich was up there again, and that's where Hirsch Gardner was actually there. Nice. And Rich has spent some time with those guys. He's kind of, I don't know, become friends with them. I mean, real good friends. And uh, so he was with, he actually was going inter, to um, interview Hirsch on stage that day. And he's like, well, you want to come up and help me? I'm like, dude, no, I'm, <laughs> you need to take care of this. But I did, I did spend some time, though. We sit back here, just him, me and him and Hirsch, and, and just talking and stuff. And it was really cool to meet him. And they actually played two songs on stage. Uh, I think Mark Slaughter got up there and helped play guitar nice. with him. He never, he didn't play drums though. He sang. It was mm. kind of odd. I was hoping he played drums, but they did. Uh, Don't ever want to lose you. And I can't remember. It was one of the odd songs. One of the that you don't really, you wouldn't think that they would do. Mm. Or maybe it was Alone Tonight. I don't remember. But anyway, it was, it was really cool though. That's anyway. cool. Yeah, it hurts a great drummer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, so like you know, as we mentioned, you know, discovered by Bill Coin, this was a, another one of the the bands that he put out, and then it you know produced with Paul Stanley, also with um, Mike Stone, who worked with Queen in sure. Asia and a lot of other bands. Um, the thing I, it, I you might know this, Dennis, because I don't know, like, because obviously Jimmy Hirsch and Gary went on to other things, but like you never hear much about John Fannin. Did he do anything of note after New England? You know, that I don't know. I do know that they have got together and they've done some reunion shows. And he still sounds good. I mean, that actually doesn't sound too bad. If you go on YouTube, you, you could find a few of those shows. Um, yeah, because that's the thing about this album is John Fannin really is the band when it comes to writing mm-hmm. the songs and sure. everything. Like, he writes all the songs and, and they're all him. Yeah. Right. So it's it's kind of like... It's a band, but it could easily just be him because he writes and does everything. Yeah. I mean, really, I don't, you know, going through, I'm just kind of, I've got the Wikipedia thing up here, just kind of going through. But yeah, they really never mentions, you know, he leaves and then the other three go, you know, and start that, start Warrior with Vinny. Mm -hmm. But other than that, they really don't talk much about him and and he doesn't even have his own page. So he's not. It's surprising though, because it's wow. very talented cat. You yeah, know, great writer, good singer, good guitar playing, and because um, mm-hmm. you could have seen him go on to do like a Michael Bolton type thing, sure. you know, where he could have been like a heartthrob kind of in the eighties, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. especially yeah, with he, some of these love songs that he writes. Yeah, yeah. he had the look, and the, he's, he's got the ability. I'm like you; I'm surprised he just didn't go. You know, maybe he just. Got a bad taste in his mouth from you know from falling through the cracks with this band. You know who knows? Maybe that's our new white whale. We got to find this guy and figure out where he is. <laughs> Get a John yeah, Fannin okay. interview. Uh huh. That John Fannin special volume five. <laughs> <laughs> 
he'll learn to hate us. <laughs> we'll do a fake interview for April Fool's Day. <laughs> Dennis will be the only one like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I took all Damn. work for this, you asshole. <laughs> Fell for it. Sucked in. Too funny. Yeah, oh, funny. man. So we want to get into the songs and uh, share sure. our, our grades and our thoughts on these things. All right. Sure. All right, so it opens up with "Hello, Hello, Hello." Um, Dennis, you're you're more of the expert on this band than we are. So, like, what what do you think when you hear this uh, this title this this lead off track? Well, I, I, I we talk about on our show a lot of times the sequencing of an album, mm-hmm. and I think this one here it has a good sequencing. Just you know, just for the track fact of you know you're starting out with "Hello, Hello, Hello," and then your last song's encore. You know, it's kind of there. You go. It's you know, it opens the book and shuts the book. Um, I, I like this song. It's one of those ones that's it doesn't it doesn't grab you by the by the nads at the very beginning, like you know, like Bill's Bill's thing is always you know he wants that first song to catch him and hook him, and then he'll stay with it. You know, I think that's why Bill doesn't get into this album. It's a little different. You know, it's got the scent. You got the scent. It's kind of a this band here reminds me more of an Asia type type situation, mm-hmm. and some people just don't like that. You know, but it it I like. Like I said, I, there's not a bad song on this album to me, to be honest. I mean, I have some favorites, but I like the song. I, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a good. I think it's a good opener. I'm going to start off by premising this as when I do these, I don't like to give out A's or F's because A's are something I don't think you can just throw around and F's are something I think you really need to deserve. Man, this song starts playing I go, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to like this because it starts out with the keyboards, which I mean, it's it's the end of the 70s. Yeah. You know, that's a big experimental thing at the time and but looking back on it now some of those keyboards from the late 70s early 80s kind of they don't hold up anymore because they come off as kind of casio-y you know kind of cheesy kind of calliope sound a lot of right them, you know? yeah and so yeah. like and i agree mm-hmm. with alan on that where man i don't think this should have been the main track you know this this one could have been buried in there somewhere because it seems like out of all the songs on here, they start out with the song I feel like might be one of the most filler songs on the album, which would have been better to kind of tuck that away somewhere. But being that what it is, I mean, it's it's kind of yacht rocky a little bit. It kind of feels like AM gold a little. It's almost got like a little Beatlish thing going on in there. But man, the keyboard overkill on it kind of wrecks it for me. I like an album to strong punch and grab you too. I hope you don't hate me at the end of this, but I got to give this song, I got to give this song a D. <laughs> I'm going to give it a D. A D. Ooh. 
So for for me, you know, I have to kind of view this album through a different lens. Um, not because like everybody hears the kiss the kiss connection with Paul Stanley and like, oh, well, let's compare it to Kiss. That's not it's not a fair thing to do with this record or this band. Um, you have to view it kind of on its own. I will say because we're doing giving grades. I almost wanted to fail this record for one thing because I thought they were cheating off ELO's homework. Yeah. There is some cl- very similar similar stuff on here. I mean, major. I noticed that the other day. I was listening to it going, man, I didn't realize, but that is an ELO song. <laughs> well, and I think <laughs> my overall opinion of this record is, and like this is also one of those bands, they're talented, they, yeah. can, go- they can write good songs, there's good musicianship, there's good singing, there's like everything you would need to be successful – but at the same time, I think it suffers from them trying to be other bands. And I think, and and some of the songs are good songs, but they don't stack up to overtake some of the bands that they might have been influenced by. But that's not a shot at them. It's just the way I view it. Um, for this song, I immediately hear Beatles, like a or like a cross between ELO and Cheap Trick when I when I hear the opener. Um, and I, you know, I've, I'm going to go off my notes. The synthesizer slash keyboard is distracting. Yeah. It's uh, it's so high in yes. the mix. Um, the harmonies, the, the, the has some really nice lush harmonies. It's got a good melody. The musicianship is good. Uh, and you know, and I'll go back to this a lot. Um, Gary is a Gary Shea's the bass player, right? So I, the, yes. his bass playing on this record is phenomenal. Oh, and, it's and, amazing. And there's a lot of moments where you can hear him high in the mix, and you're like, damn, that's really good. Yeah. Um, and the keyboard solo was a good solo, but it's like, damn, I'd want to hear that transposed to a guitar, you know? And I think it would it would make the song better. Um, I do like the song, and if I I have to view this record differently from a hard rock kiss style record so to me i would give this a b minus that that that's my grade for this one yeah because if you're looking at it as you know paul stanley produced this so it's going to be a hard rock and kiss type record mm-hmm. probably think of it more in 1979 like these are the songs i wish i could do that gene and ace won't let me you know? <laughs> <laughs> like someday kiss sure. is going to have a keyboardist damn it all right but other than that, you know, when you talk about like on the whole production wise, this album's got a really strong production because there's some spots in there and it makes sense that that Mike Stone did a lot of stuff with Queen prior to this mm-hmm. because there's a lot of that epic, boy, I don't even know how to describe it. It's got like that over the top kind of production to it. The overall quality of sound on this album, it's a plus and it the sound quality is excellent on it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I like the way sometimes the bass comes a little stronger, and sometimes the guitars come a little stronger, mm-hmm. and the keyboards are strong through most of it, but there's a lot of up and down in it that I like production-wise, where like this comes through right. and then falls back, and then that comes through and then that falls back, you know, things like that. Little things they were doing in the studio back then that may have been cutting edge for the time, you know, so... Thumbs up to Paul Stanley and Mike Stone for production on this whole thing. It's excellent. Yeah, and the thing, and the thing too, real quick, you know, on the keyboards, it is like you said. This this guitar, this this album is super duper keyboard heavy. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, big time. Um, it reminds me of like bands like Jafria and stuff like that, or that are just that they were heavy keyboard bands. So this, you just got to expect that, you know. And like I said, it's it's, I'm like you, the bass playing in this is phenomenal guitar playing is phenomenal everything is great 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm like you. They could back yeah. that synthesizer back. So, <laughs> but it was sign of the times, I guess. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, the, it the, is. That was a popular thing at the time, right? And to exactly. be fair, the dude is a hell of a keyboardist. Oh, oh yeah. sure, there's nothing yeah, wrong Jimmy, with it. Jimmy Waldo's a talented <laughs> cat. Um, so, um, what would your letter grade be for this first track, Dennis? It would probably be. I'm like you. It's not the best song on the. I would. I would give it a C plus. Oh, well, yeah. I, I gave it a higher grade than you, and you're yeah. the aficionado. Wow. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, move to the uh, to the big single off the record, Don't Ever Want to Lose You, which is uh, the, 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 the big hit off the record that most people know. Uh, I'll go first. I, I can easily see why it was picked as the single. I think it's definitely one of the more right. radio-friendly tunes on the record. Uh, the guitar riff is very strong, but it does get drowned out by the keyboards, and also... Uh, Hirsch Gardner's drums are way high in the mix on this, so I think uh, Hirsch might have been one of the band leaders at the time. Um, if the keys weren't there, I think this song could have easily been a Cheap Trick song. It sounds so much like something Cheap Trick would have done. Um, and then the it's got that trippy middle part with the flange effect all over the vocals, which is which is interesting. Very seventies and um, great guitar solo. Um, but to me, I, I like this song. I think it's one of the, the more redeemable songs on the record. I gave this one a B plus. was their big hit but was it really a big hit oh it wasn't a big hit for them it was it went to it went to number 40 yeah on the the billboards that's the only one i'd i'd never heard it before i know it was the single but never heard it before i actually listened to the cd yeah chris is right i agree with everything he said on it you know it's got a really cool guitar intro on it that kind of fades into keyboards in a cool way it's super poppy but it's a good song. It's well written. It's really catchy. It's a really catchy song. This is one you kind of, you know, whether you know what you're listening to or not. If you, if you just played this for somebody, I think they'd probably dig it. You know, it's it's pretty good. I gave the first one a D. We're going to step up. I'm going to give this one a C. Yeah, I give it. I mean, I, I love this song. Um, I think it's, I'm like you, I, I just love the guitar riff in it. And like I said, it's super catchy, super hooky. You know, it catches you right off the bat. For me, like I said, and and, it, and for and for to be a hit, to it's almost six minutes long. It's yeah. five and I think five minutes, 30, 40 seconds, I guess. So it's it's a long song. Um, there again, you know, like we talk about, and it, we could probably say this on every song. The keyboard needs to be cranked back just a little bit. <laughs> 
but I do. I, I think it's a well done song. The video for it's really cool. And you know, like you said, that flange thing is kind of goofy, kind of seventies. But that you know, at that time, it 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 sounded cool. But you know, that comes in that ripping guitar. You know, solo comes in after yeah. that fact. And and uh, no, I, I I like that song a lot. And uh, it's probably it's not my favorite song on the album, but it's close. But I give it. I give that one probably a B plus. Yeah, I think not it's bad. pretty good. It's a pretty good song. All right, so then we go to. P-U-N-K, which stands for Puny Undernourished Kid. All right, now we're talking. Well, I will say there's nothing punk about this song, but uh, no. <laughs> I, I think it's uh, it's a lot more in the new wave vibe. And, it, you know, this is, like I said, another thing where this, this album kind of suffers from them trying to keep up with certain other bands. Uh, I think they're doing it. It's got a good chord progression, good vocals. Um, the synth effect kind of reminds me of uh, Riding the Storm Out by uh, REO Speedwagon with the whole like uh, you know sound alarm thing going off. Uh, it's another one I could do without the keyboard parts, but I, and I'd probably love it a lot more without it. Uh, the, this one I only gave a, gave it a C wow, grade. Wow! See, this is the first song on the album where I kind of perked up. Was like, okay, now here we go. You know, this song actually kind of cooks a little bit. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Maybe they should have opened the album with this one. You know, I think it would have been a little bit better because it's got a little more kick to it. The song, I don't know. I like this one the best so far because it's like, yeah, the keyboard is still pretty powerful in it. But in this song, it's almost like a second guitar. You know, if you listen to like the guitar solo and like the breakdown, the keyboard breakdown right before the guitar solo, they find a way to make it where they're on an even kind of playing field with a guitar and the keyboard in this one and you know what it's funny your grade drops down mine goes up i give this song a b yeah i agree with both you guys on this stuff um as far as you know being a one guitar band you know they they do use the keyboard this time around on this song in a better way i mean it is still heavy but you know using it as another guitar playing the same riff together i think that was really cool um, I'm trying to remember, and I just was trying to look it up, but I can't find it right now. There was a second video for this on this album. I don't remember if it was punk or if it was shoot. And I, I can't remember. I think it was punk that, that they had the other video for. And it was really cool, but I, I can't find it now. I can't. But anyway, um, but no, I, I do like this song a lot too. Um, it's, 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 you know, you're coming out of that first, you know, that first song is kind of draggy. And then you got, you know, Don't Ever Want to Lose You is a solid song, punk knocks it you know another just another hit to you so yeah i i do i do like this song a lot um it's not there's some there's some odd lyrics on it it's kind of goofy yeah and uh you know it kind of just catches it weird but no i'll I, it's i got three three of my favorite songs on this and this this is one of the other ones i like a lot too i think it's really cool yeah there's a line in this song where it's something about like everything he's doing is rhyming and it's got a good flow to it and then he and then he says something about you better change your diet and it doesn't rhyme with anything he said up to this point and so it just kind of like hits you funny it's like every okay that it's flowing it's flowing it's flowing and stop you know like wait that doesn't fit there but they went with it anyway. Yeah, you know, that's, I guess it is punk. That's a punk ass thing to do. Yeah.
odd lyrics in there. But again, too, you know, sometimes we talk about these bands that never really made it as far as you'd think that they would have. And a lot of times I find is that it's hard to pin down the band within the album. Like, what kind of band are you? Are you a rock band? Are you a ballad band? Are you AM? Are you yacht rock? What are you? You know, and starting off this album with these first three songs, you start out with kind of the slow, I don't know, I don't want to even call it slow because it's still kind of upbeat, but the hello, hello, hello is kind of weird. And then you go into the really poppy, really catchy, don't ever want to lose you. And then you go into this more rocking kind of chugging song. And it's three very different songs by one band kicking off this album and the rest of the album really kind of keeps going like that it's like it's almost like a different band on every song you know that might have been their demise too because you know you can't really classify it you know you're not gonna mm-hmm. you're not gonna get the heavy guys they're gonna they're gonna, they're not gonna like the pop type right. stuff then you're gonna get people that maybe like the the easier sounding songs are gonna they're gonna say punk kind of that's a stupid song you know and it's so it's mm-hmm. maybe they went too too far to each spectrum you know on this album who knows if you hear don't ever want to lose you as the single and go okay you know i think i like this you know it's poppy it's catchy sure. you know and i like that and then you get it and then you hear punk and you go well i don't like that that's not that's not <laughs> nothing like I, what i thought this album was going to be right yeah i think it it you know, it, you know speaking of another kiss connection um you know, Wicked Lester had the same issue. It was like them yeah. trying to ch- chase down whatever people liked. And, you know, if you have every song sounds like a different band, then that's not going to help you as far as success goes. You know, it, it it's an interesting timestamp and album to listen to because of the, you can like hear the late 70s on this record with what they, what the influences they pulled from to do it. Um, and, you know, and then the, the next song, Shall I Run Away, is another one where, it's uh it's it's got really good slide guitar playing and the acoustic musical bed but this sounds to me this sounds like sticks with a less flamboyant singer you know it, it's it's almost progressive rock uh, on right. this one um i don't think there's anything necessarily bad about this song but it just kind of sits there for me it doesn't really take off to me i think this is this is definitely a filler track to me this got one of the lower grades on my uh, list. I gave this one a C minus. Hmm. Actually, didn't know how to feel about this one because, again, you know, if you look at the first three songs and then you look at track four, which is "Shall I Run Away," completely different than everything else. This one, it's yeah. ballady. I got more of a like a Bowie kind of space rock kind of so- kind of a mm-hmm. feeling off of it. It's trippy. It's got really cool guitars, but there's weird stuff going on with the keyboards. Again, the bass and the drums, just take my word on every single song on this. The bass and the drums are outstanding on every single track on here, and this one especially. But yeah, weird, trippy song, kind of, like I said, Bowie-ish, out there, like outer space type rock tune. But I did not like it. I think it's pretty good. I'm going to give it a C. Yeah, it's it is a definitely a ballad. <laughs> but it's still <laughs> it's got cool. The ballad it's stamp still cool, though. But it yeah. it is a good song. I, I and it I'm like I'm kind of like Chris. I don't think it it doesn't really it doesn't shine. But it's but it is a good song, and I'll I I, I don't skip it. You know, I'll listen to it because there's some cool parts to it. You know, it, but it's mm-hmm. just I'm like you. It it is a it is a kind of a cheesy sticks kind of lower grade sticks type song. And it's kind of um, 
I don't know, but yeah. he's got a great voice. And, and and going back to what you were saying earlier too, I never really paid as much attention to the bass as I did this this week listening to it. And yeah. it's like every song, it's like damn, yeah. he's tearing it up. He's you know, doing he, a lot of cool stuff. And like I said, yeah. he's adding a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of to the songs. It's not. I would give it. This is a. This is a. A low C for me. Like I said, it just doesn't go. It's not the best slow song on the album. Put it that way. Because there's a couple. Right. <laughs> All right. So then uh, we go to Alone Tonight, and uh, my first note on this: the bass playing on this song is incredible. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I I love the guitar riff on this one. It, and this is me really going out on a limb, but it sounds kind of like what the Beatles probably could have sounded like if they had stayed together and dabbled into the hard rock movement. Like it's it's one of those things where it sounds like them trying to pick up on it. And I also do hear Aaron, as you said, some kind of David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust era stuff. Well, especially with the vocals on this one. Um, this is one of my more favorite songs on the record. I gave this one a B plus. This is one of my favorites too. It's got killer guitars on it. The solo is outstanding. The guitar solo is just outstanding on this song. The vocals are great. This is a perfect example of what I was talking about, about the epic style, the bombast of somebody that's done Queen records before, bringing that knowledge and putting it on what you're doing. 
and it does. This song has got a real boom to it. And like you said, you know, this song really, really showcases how good the bass player is in this band because there's spots where the keyboards and the guitars kind of go down and you can hear the bass in behind. And it's like any moment that that guy's got that isn't holding together the song, it's, you know, something going on like that in between. And it's like, you listen to that and it's like, wow, that's cool. Wow, that's cool. Like, holy shit, what was that? You know, and it's like, it's just kind of pops up and then it goes away and then it pops up and it goes away. But man, the bass playing on that song is just outstanding yeah i agree with you on that and i think this is a good song to end the first side you know if you're listening to it on an album it's a good it makes you want to flip the album over you know if, if you had some some spots and say the first song or the, the well shall i run away you're like you know do i flip it <laughs> well this song would make you flip it you know yeah. uh same deal i like i mean these guys are like i said every one of them are first class players you know like i said mm-hmm. the bass line's incredible in that there again the keyboard is way too loud in this in the mix but it fits you know and then they're doing some more Mm -hmm. a little bit more of the two guitar the guitar and the keyboard together in the song too but and like i said the vocals are incredible it's to me it's a solid beat yeah that's why it's a a good song and it's a good ending for the good ending for the record it's 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 kind of it's almost like uh they're such good musicians. It's like they they want to be a pop band so bad, but they're so such good musicians. Yeah, that they almost might have been better served doing progressive stuff and like really just letting it fly, you know, because they're good enough to do it. For the big girls, and they go, "Whoa, what are you doing? Don't don't do that. I can't help it." You know, the keyboardist is going nuts. He's like, "No, stop. That's too. I can't help myself." And then you got Hirsch back there just tearing up the drums and laying all these killer fills in between every thing and like no no guys this is all too much for these songs i've written and they're like i'm sorry man we can't stop ourselves from doing it we're too damn good yeah they're like a they're a they're a progressive band disguised as a pop band yeah that's kind of a way to put it yeah i can see that so uh you flip the record over and then it opens up with nothing to fear and this is my favorite song on the record um It's uh, it's got it takes you on a real trip, you know. It's like a, it's got kind of sticks vibes with the intro, and um, the orchestral swells during the chorus kind of bother me a little bit. But melodically, the song is really strong, and you know Hirsch's drums are just gigantic on this song. Uh, the double guitar solo is great, and then to me, the thing that really makes this song kind of elevate above the rest is midway through the song they introduce a completely different riff and it's the best riff on the record the dana dun, 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 dun. I, I fucking love that riff and i was like i'd love to hear that song done live some cover band needs to do that song live but uh, i gave this one an a I, this is my favorite wow. song on the record yeah i didn't it didn't do that to me <laughs> this is why we're different <laughs> I found it to be a little keyboard overkill. I mean, there's there's some cool stuff going on in there, just like all these songs. I mean, there's moments of greatness in every one of these. And the dude's an amazing singer, and it really showcases on this song. But again, to me, this is like, I don't know. I don't know. Is this Sean Cassidy? I mean, it's... it's Sean just, Cassidy? It kind wow, of, no. A lot of this stuff seems <laughs> like... 
<laughs> it's just it's just too sugary, just too sugary for me. I could hear this stuff getting played along with things like that on like a, a AM station in the '70s that was playing a lot of the stuff we call yacht rock nowadays. I think. Oh that that could have been something too, you know. I mean, if you these guys could have been that. I did my you know? radio show, you know. I got the, I had the. Yeah, he's even got the Captain and Tennille hat. Yeah, I got the Captain exactly. Hat. Yeah, Captain and Tennille type. This, you could play that Captain. right after we got Captain. Ten, that was Captain and Tennille. You know, Lovell will keep With us together. Muscle. And uh, up next, we've got Nothing to Fear by by New England. You know, and then it's like I hear songs like this, and I was like. Oh, that's why that lady at the record store almost wet herself when I showed her this album. differ greatly on this one wow well i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with chris on this one i this is this is one of my favorite songs on the album if not the favorite uh lyrically it's fantastic uh vocally it's fantastic i and like you said I, I like the way you put that it is a journey it actually kind of has a story to it mm-hmm. um that that breakdown too in the middle that guitar different riff is kick ass yeah. i just i just i smile when i hear this song i, I really like it and like i said it's a very <clears throat> sticks kind of at the very beginning it, you know starts out that way and then kicks in no i, I love this song it's i'm gonna have well to go listen to that again i must have oh. missed something i don't know yeah i give it an a to start it midway through oh, and just, just go halfway, halfway. <laughs> I think you'll like it you'll like it trust more. me it'll get better <laughs> that, well that riff really takes it to a different level and they just kind of jam out on it for a while and just like yeah. i'm just like bopping my head to it's like damn that's a fucking hmm. good riff um but yeah, I, I love that. So then that goes to sh- the song Shoot. And my first note on this song was, if Deep Purple and Cheap Trick had a baby. That's what this song sounds like to me. Um, it does. It's, uh, it's not one of my favorites on the record. It's a decent song, but it, it does feel like those guys kind of chasing something else. Um, and again, the keyboards distract a lot from what could have been a good straight ahead rock song. I just gave this one a C. I, I I like the idea behind it, but I don't think they executed it very well. Wow. And you love this one, right? Favorite song on the album. <laughs> this is why we do the show, though, right? Oh, 
on the album, man. Jamming guitar. The drums and the bass are cooking. It's got a killer solo. Even the keyboards are cool on this. It's a hard rocker. I think it's my favorite song on the album. I give this one a high B, man. I like it. Not work. That's why we do this yeah. big. <laughs> this song cooks, man. I love it. If it wouldn't be for that that silly kind of siren sound by the keyboard, I'd give it an A. That kind of bothers me a little mm. bit. Um, but the uh, song itself, though, it's a solid B. I mean, like you said, it's it kicks in. It's it's the hardest rocker of the album, yeah. you know. Period. And you know, coming out of that first song. You, you, you kind of get you set in the mood, and then this song just comes in, you know, kicks you in the wahoo. You know, it's like okay, you know. <laughs> but I do, and I do see that that keyboard's kind of got that grindy, kind of uh, uh, highway star kind of yeah. kind of keyboard to it. You know, I can see that very much. Yeah, something tells me that John Lord was a big influence on. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say that. Jimmy. That's how I like my keyboards most of the time, John Lord style. Yeah, it's almost like another guitar. Yeah, when it's when it's done that way, it is. It is. Yeah. It is great song. But no, I, it is a good song. So yeah, it's a solid B for me. Cool. So then we go to turn out the light, and my my first note on this, which referencing what Aaron said before, straight up AM gold yeah. intro. Uh, this could be from any number of seventies artists like Harry Nilsson and that type yeah. of stuff. This really, is, this song is definitely a sign of the times. But I in the, I will say because like I mentioned I do love yacht rock I I like that type of stuff so if you're in the right mood I I'll go back to this song because I like the laid back sentimental vibe of it um, but it's, there's no doubt it's a sappy sappy song um, the guitar solo is great I do like that one I did give it a B and I know Aaron gave it probably way lower than that but <laughs> I this in the right mood I'll definitely will go back to this song and listen to wow. it again. What is this, Kenny Laguns? <laughs> Laguns. Oh, no, it's David yeah, LaRoe. No, it ain't that. <laughs> yeah, man. Again, who is this band? What are they? What are they supposed to be? I mean, you come from Shoot, yeah. <laughs> which is just a kick-ass rock song. To this. And then you got songs on here that are like 70s glam, 70s like glitter glam kind of rock songs. and It's a roller coaster. You know, I just... You got the poppy, radio-friendly songs, and you got songs like this. It's like, who are these guys? You know, this is the most schizophrenic band I think I've ever listened to in my life. You know, there's they're different on every single song. Yeah. Certifiable. I mean, it's got a beautiful and emotional guitar solo in it. I'll give it that. It's pretty killer. But as far as, man, I don't know. I got to give it a D. <laughs> It's just oh. too cheesy for me. Them keyboards are too much. Oh man! Wow. Well, unfortunately, I like cheese. Me too. <laughs> and I like yacht rock. You know, that's that's my. I mean, if I'm not listening to rock, I'm listening to yacht rock. Me too. So I, I like this song a lot. I think it's it's the best slow song on the album, and I think the keyboards aren't overdriven that hard on this one either. It's kind of they've got it. The shit together on this one yeah it is is it is it poppy is it is it candy is it you know it's it's every everything you said but that's what makes it cool can you imagine what it would be like if for just one minute i could turn up and go back to the days when all of us were young 
yeah, I agree with you on this one. This fucking this side two is a roller coaster. I mean, it's just absolutely all over the place. But no, I I give it a real high beat. It's it's a solid song for me. And you just gotta and you gotta be in that mood. Yeah. You just gotta be. You know, if I want to, you know. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna go from listening to Overkill and then go to this song. I mean, that's not happening. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. But again, you know, even even in that context, it's kind of tough to go from shoot to that. You know, no, it is a sure. it's a jarring transition from one song to the it's next. It's throwing the brakes on, throwing anchor, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, it's 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 a hell of a change. Honestly, turn out the light would have been a great album closing song. Um, I think. Sure. Uh, yeah. Which we'll get to that one in a minute. But uh, then that goes to the last show. Um, this one's a little odd. I, I like, I do, and one thing I do like about, and this is something from albums from the seventies, especially that you don't get anymore, which it, nobody really listens to albums all the way through was how it segues from turn out the light into the last show. I like, I like that when song segue from one into the other. It's just, I like that it's part. cool. Um, I like how it does that. Um, it kind of starts off like a Billy Joel song, which, um, is not necessarily a bad thing, but it does remind me of something that he would do. The thing I like the most about this song is the guitars are finally out more in front on this song. You can hear them way more, and they're not drowned out by keys. Um, I wish that was the case on the whole record. It's a decent song overall, and but I, I still just gave it a C plus. It did it didn't do a lot for me, but it, but it's one I probably wouldn't skip if I listened to it again. I actually really like this. I think this is one of the cooler songs on the album. Hirsch Gardner, you know, give that guy an award for what he's doing on this song. The drums are just out of this world, man. The fills that guy comes up with, you know, it's, I mean, it's not Bill Ward, yeah. but I mean, it's for what he's doing. It's pretty damn cool, you know. So I think this is a guy that probably deserves more credit as being one a guy you should be talking about when you're talking about some of the best drummers that ever came out, especially you're talking late 70s, early 80s. I love it. You know, there's some really cool riffs on here. Again, this is a perfect example of that, like I said, almost like a bombast. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a certain thing like Queen had. Again, to that production that gives yeah. it that epic kind of a feel, you know, where this thing is, it's a big sound. This is another one. I ranked it pretty high. I gave it a B. I'm saying way I give it a, a solid B too. It's it's a decent show or a decent song. Um, yeah. To me, it, it's got some. It's got more layers to it. It's a well written song. It's it's not it's not your typical just three chord kind of song. Like you say, it's got a, it's got a, it's a little deeper than most of the th- songs on here. 
that's the word I'm thinking of too. There's a it's a deepness to this song that a lot of the other stuff is kind of a little shallow, you know. This one's a little deeper. I like it. Right. And then like with with uh, Chris said too, I do like the way that they kind of come out of that turn out the light into that. I kind of I love when they kind of mold stuff together, weave it together where it's almost like a continu- continuum. And it, it it and it doesn't yeah. And it doesn't change it that it's not like going from shoot to turn out the light. It's actually it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's the, not the, the transition's weird. a lot smoother. You know, <laughs> it didn't just yeah. pop the clutch on this one. You know, it's actually it, 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 it works well, good. And I don't know if Paul Stanley was a Phil Spector fan mm-hmm. or maybe Mike Stone had had that influence. But now that I think about it, as we talk about this, I wonder if they were trying to go for that Phil Spector wall of sound type type vibe with the production on this record because as aaron said multiple times like it's got that over the top like they're trying to go for this bigness Mm -hmm. especially with a lot of the keys doing the orchestral parts and stuff and but it's one of those things where if it's not real strings it doesn't quite have the same impact as you know when you have it done on keys so i wonder if that was something they were going for i wonder if paul stanley's a phil specter fan i bet he is because he liked a lot of that stuff from the 60s but um i get that vibe and then we go into encore the last song on the record and i think the intro reminds me a lot of queen with the you know with the riffs and the with the riff and the piano kind of going back and forth and then of course the backing vocals have kind of a queen meets elo severe elo that's the one i was i was listening to i said under the garage going damn that is absolute (laughs) yeah but i mean it's 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 a good song to end the record um it's very dramatic, uh, and it works for what it is. So I, I did give this one a B minus. I thought it was a fun song. when I was putting my notes together for this Queen song. This could be a Queen song. Like, if Queen did this song, it could have been one of their big hits, you know? I think, uh, again, yeah, you said very dramatic, very epic. I think if you're a fan of Queen, I think you would definitely love this album because there's a lot of elements of that in here. But again, I guess that goes back to Mike Stone in the production, spending all those years making Mm -hmm. Queen albums bringing what he knows how to do best to this project you know and then paul stanley there you know i don't really there's not a whole lot of here on here i hear that i go oh yeah that's paul stanley's influence right there but i definitely hear the guy that did queen's albums 
influence on this oh, a yeah. lot, and especially in this closing song. Like I said, if if Queen did this, and you got the guys from Queen doing the backing vocals and everything, I think it could have been a big hit song for that band, you know. And maybe I don't know, maybe this could have been a better single choice for them, being that Queen was so popular at that time. I don't know. It's it's hard to say because again, you know, here's another song that's way different than a lot of the other songs you've heard on here. But yeah, still pretty good. It's all right. I'll give it a C. Yeah, I, like I was saying, it's a good it's a good way to end the album. Um, and like you said, the the, the Queen influences are, are are big time on there. You know, you can see Freddie doing that. And then, like I said, then the ELO, it is just, <laughs> you could, you, if you play that little part and say, who is this? There, you know, nine out of 10 people go, that's ELO. What song is that? You know, that is. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like I said, it's, and you know, after listening to every song on this album, you know, you, you don't know what to expect because, you know, we went from here to here to here to here, you know, you don't know what the hell you're going to get, but I think it's a good way to wrap it up and. And, you know, like I said, finish the album, then you're done. You know, then you either start it over or you throw it away, whichever you want to set away. <laughs> well, I I did go back. I did go on and listen to their other two records, Explorer Suite that came out, uh, I think, in 80. Right. And then uh, is it Walking Wild that came out like a year or two later? I only have one of those. I don't remember. Uh, they're which all one I got. pretty uniform. I mean, I will say Walking Wild, they try to tread more into new wave territory. But, um, but Explorer Suite has some really good tunes on it. Still got overpowering keyboards, right. so uh, Jimmy Waldo had some real power in that band. But uh, but it was cool to see that they all, other than John Fannin, who we talked about earlier, um, they all went on to other success. Right. And, uh, you know, very talented band, but also an interest. I'm glad you picked this record for us to go over because it, it's one of those kind of timestamp records. It's a real time capsule of the late 70s. And... And it's yeah. cool to listen to it. And as you know, Aaron and I both kind of came up through the le- mid to late 80s on rock and roll. So it's interesting for us to go in and kind of discover it all over again. But uh, you were there when it was brand new. So did you continue on right. being a New England fan or, or was this album kind of the one? No, this was actually this. I had this album and then um, I never no. I, I, Bill just got me this. I didn't even know they had two more albums, to be honest. I liked him a lot, but, you know, back in the days before the internet, before, you know, they, they weren't in magazines. They had the two videos on, or on not MTV, but uh, Don Kirshner. Um, no, I mean, at that point, see, that would have been 79. And the 80s come along, and, you know, I started to get into different things. I started to listen to, you know, I kind of went from, because Kiss kind of, I lost my, lost interest in Kiss a little bit in the 80s. Um we were getting more into Rush and, and then, you know, of course, and Maiden and Saxon and shit like that. So it's just kind of, I don't know, New England was, I just never kept up with them. And it's sad because this album, to me, and it, it has that thing where I just remember, not that one, but I, I remember sitting in my room listening to this. I remember the day I bought it. So there again, I'm, 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 I'm tacking on yeah. a lot of memories. Yeah, you got you an know? emotional attachment. And that's, and that's, and, and that's why it's probably, my grades are a little higher or the reason I listen to a little bit. Cause when I put this thing on, I just kind of, it's my time machine. You know, I go back and I'm, you know, I'm 79. I would have been freshman mm-hmm. in high school, you know? So I was, you know, it's just kind of, you know, like I said, none of my friends, 
you know, I'd pull that record out and they're like, ah, shit, don't put that <laughs> stuff on. Let's listen to something else, you know, because they, they didn't, you know, at that time too, we were buying, I was getting into Blondie, you know, starting doing a little bit different, you know, I was kind of all over the place, you know, I bought Super Tramp and, you know, listen, so I don't know, but yeah, it's, I, I'm, I think this, this record time has not, it's not held up real good as far as that, it, you know, it is a, it's a dated album, you know, you can tell mm-hmm. when it was made. So it hasn't really, you know, like other albums that are kind of timeless where you can put them on. You really can't. Yeah, but I mean, you can't really. In fairness, though, sometimes that's fun to listen to that type of stuff, though, because you can kind of put your head, you sure. put your headspace into the late 70s, which is, you know, a cool thing to think about. But, uh, you know, timeline always matters. Whatever between 12 and 16, whatever was around at the time is yeah. what you're going to gravitate towards. But um, I'm interested to see the comments uh, for this for this episode, because I'm sure there's probably several people that love this record yeah. that are going to chime in on it with their grades. And we and we want to hear sure. from from you guys listening. What do you think of this record? What do you think of the, the songs? What's your individual grades for this record? But honestly, it, it, the more times I listen to it, the more it grew on me. So I know I'm going to keep listening to it. All right. Well, I guess for my final overall grade, I ended up giving, let's see, four Bs. Three D's, two C's, three C's. So around there somewhere, the D's pull it down, the B's lift it up. I'm going to give this album a solid C. I mean, it's great production, awesome musicianship. I mean, if you love ELO or David Bowie or Queen or Cheap Trick or The Cars even, even Sean Cassidy, even Steely Dan, you're probably going to like New England. Well-written songs. (laughs) cheesy ass am gold mixed in with some cool rock you know it's yeah. it's pretty cool overall i i can't say it's bad i can't say it's great so i think c is a good solid final grade for this fair yeah looking over looking over my grades b minus b plus c c minus b plus a c b c plus and b minus so Essentially, probably rounds out to about a B. Overall. Yeah, that's that's where I'm sitting right at a B. And I think, like I said, and I think that has a lot to do with just the memories that, that are attached to it. Yeah. But you know, like I said, it, it's there's nothing on there that I skip. To be honest, I mean, no, there the, there's not a bad song. Right. There's nothing I listen to on it, and I'm like, this is like poorly no. written or poorly poorly played or poorly produced. It's no. all well done. Yeah, there's just, definitely no Fs no. on here at all. No, it's just more sure. your taste. And, and I think too, it may be where you're sitting at that moment yeah. too, because you know maybe I'm maybe I'm not in a mood for a slow song. Maybe I want it a little bit. You know, so it's. But then there's other times yeah. sit back with you know drink or a glass of wine. Yeah, I want to hear that song. You know, so whatever floats your boat in the yacht rock world. You know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever floats your yacht. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm feeling so. a little schizophrenic. How about some New England? <laughs> yeah, make make sure you listen to shit yeah, going to turn out the light. Wow, <laughs> pretty cool. Like I said, I bought it. I probably oh, listened to it once, maybe twice. Put it away. Never really gave it its due. And now I'm looking at this, going, you know what? There's some songs on here I'm definitely going to want on my iPod. Yeah, it's one that I I don't listen to yeah. a lot, but it's one of those about once a year. You know, I'll pull it out and. I don't want to listen to that today. Oh, don't no. lie, Dennis. You have five copies of that. <laughs> <laughs> One for every room. <laughs> That's true. 
this is this is this is Monday. Yeah. This is Tuesday. I never have to go get it because I've got one in the kitchen. I've got one in the bathroom. I've got one in the living room. And I've you got know, one in the bedroom. and as many records as I got and all that stuff, I I listen to this more than anything. You know, the iPad. I'll hook it up. Yeah. I just bought a stereo. I found a receiver at the uh, at the uh, used place down here, like a Goodwill type place. You know, twenty bucks. Yeah. I got it hooked up outside with the speaker, so I listen to most of my music out in the garage when I'm tinkering around out there and stuff. Oh, so. that's cool. Right on. Oh, man. Well, Spotify is my friend. Well, this was fun. <laughs> uh, we'll have some more podcasting guests uh, come on and uh, assign us more records because I, I, I like being told what to listen to and then, you know, kind of forcing <laughs> myself through it. And then yeah. it's it's interesting. It's like making yourself do a record review. So I think I've had a fun time doing this. Yeah. And in the meantime, Dennis, you've been awesome coming on here. Everybody, you love us. You love rock and roll podcasts. Check out Ages of Rock. A lot of fun. I've been on there before. I know Chris has been on there before as a guest. Mm-hmm. These guys are good friends of the show give them some love and support and we appreciate you coming on dennis this was pretty cool man oh i enjoyed it immensely i just was <laughs> i'm glad you guys had fun because i was like going man I like bill's like they're never going to invite you back on <laughs> a record like that <laughs> like, what did you do <laughs> hey we're a lot more diverse than he thinks we are come on yeah i know <laughs> i should have told him we were going to do the elder <laughs> then you would not be invited back on <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bill doesn't like that one either. So he doesn't help. Oh, man. All right. Well, everybody, check out Ages of Rock. And uh, thanks, Dennis, for coming on. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Man.